episode 846. As the season is about to begin, the Green Bay Packers bolster their defense by signing their second former 49er in as many weeks. To discuss that, we'll talk to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the start of the regular season in Green Bay. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. Nathan, are you excited for the regular season of NFL football? Good morning. Yeah, it was a fun weekend of college football, but now I'm ready for the NFL to get going. (laughs) Yeah, it certainly was an exciting weekend. A lot of games that came down to the wire. Um, But we've got a lot to get to regarding the Green Bay Packers here. And let's start with the newest addition of the Green Bay Packers, defensive lineman Quinton Dial, who the Packers signed as a free agent on Tuesday. Nathan, can you sum up what his strengths and weaknesses were as recently as last season in San Francisco? Sure. Overall, he's a pretty average player, so his strengths aren't all that strong, but his weaknesses aren't all that weak. Uh, he has experience at both end and nose tackle in the 3-4, which is good for how the Packers use their defensive linemen. Uh, he was a little below average against the run both last year and over his career. Um, He's not someone who's going to make a lot of tackles, but he can occasionally disrupt some runs, which is helpful in the run game. And then as a pass rusher, again, not very consistent, but when he does make a play, it's typically a big play. So uh, I think he fits what the Packers are doing on the defensive line and have given enough playing time. I think there will be a couple of times throughout the year where he'll make a positive difference. That would be good news for the Green Bay Packers. Now, one week ago, Nathan, you were praising the job done in the preseason by Christian Ringo, who the Packers released to make room for Dial. What do you think made him expendable? The biggest thing is that Dial has NFL experience and Ringo doesn't so much so far. So um, outside of that, that's probably not a move I would have made just knowing what I do know. I know I praised him last week, and then if you look at the tape, over this last Thursday, I think he did an excellent job over the first half of that game as well. Uh, he got pressure four different times or four times against four different offensive linemen. Uh, once when he was double teamed um, in the run game, he was beating guards to the inside. Uh, once that led to a tackle for a loss. Um, another where he stood up the guy at the line of scrimmage, disrupting the run. Um, so if you just watch the film in the first half, I think you see a guy ready for more NFL experience. So. If the Packers aren't able to bring him back to the practice squad, I wouldn't be surprised if some other team gives him a chance. Yeah, this doesn't necessarily preclude the Packers from bringing him back at some point down the road. It's a wait-and-see kind of thing at this point. Uh, But, Nathan, we've got other new acquisitions to talk about. The Packers claim edge defender Chris Odom, who was released by the Atlanta Falcons. Can you fill us in how he played while he was with Atlanta? Nathan, are you there? Uh, Yeah, I think I lost you for a minute there. Sorry. 
Uh, no problem. Uh, I was asking about Chris Odom. Uh, the Packers claimed him on waivers, and can you tell us how he played in the exhibition season while he was with the Falcons? Uh, sure. In the preseason, he was a standout guy against the run. He had 13 run stops, uh, which is more than any other edge defender had in the preseason. Uh, no other one had more than seven, and uh, while he did play a lot of snaps, even if you turn that into a percentage, he was by far the best against the run. Um, a lot of that came in the Week 5 game they had against Jacksonville, but um, as a pass rusher, he had two sacks, uh, wasn't consistently getting pressure. But uh, he was an interesting fit for the Packers because he's played in a three-point stance uh, throughout the time in Atlanta, uh, dating back to his college days. He was also playing more as a defensive end than a 3-4 outside linebacker. So um, he really doesn't have that experience as a 3-4 outside linebacker yet. Um, when someone goes to college to the NFL, and makes that transition. I'm not too concerned because they have plenty of time to learn that difference. But uh, being it's his first time in a 3-4 outside linebacker, I found that interesting. But uh, he did play really well over the course of the preseason. Yeah, uh, certainly a high ceiling there. But uh, I, if I had to guess, I would say Chris Odom probably not going to be active for this game uh, against the mm -hmm. Seattle Seahawks coming up. We'll see what they have in mind. Who knows? He could maybe play special teams. We'll find out. Um, but uh, Nathan here, just another player who's probably not, you know, at the top of the roster or a brand uh, name player here, but just somebody I haven't asked you about yet and wanted to get your opinion on him. Lindsey Pipkins, who I think was kind of one of the most surprising additions to the Packers 53-man roster. Can you assess his performance in the preseason as a whole and whether you think it was worthy of being signed to the roster? Sure. Uh, he's a great example where some stats don't always tell the whole story. Uh, he allowed 13 of 16 passes thrown his way to be caught over the preseason. And that by itself doesn't sound good, but he was able to make a number of plays within there. Uh, two of those incompletions were passes he broke up. Uh, once the quarterback threw the ball away when uh, Pipkins had good coverage. So uh, that won't show up on the stat sheet, but a play where he did well. Um, he wasn't perfect. Some of those catches that he allowed were for first downs and a touchdown, but on a lot of other plays, he was able to tackle the receiver uh, for a loss or for a short gain. So even though their catches allowed, they're good plays by the defense and he did well. So uh, he's been playing well throughout the preseason. Um, I think he's had more good than bad. So that's a good sign for a cornerback. So interesting to see uh, what I'll do going forward. Very good. Uh, turning to the offensive side of the football here, Nathan, Lane Taylor was just awarded with a contract extension by the Green Bay Packers, which we'll have more on later in the show. But can you tell us how he did this preseason and did that influence at all whether the pack, why the Packers signed him to an extension at this point in time? Yeah, we didn't see a ton of Taylor in the preseason, just 45 snaps over the course of those first three games. So a fairly small sample size to work off of. But in that time, he looked like an above average guard, which was good. Um, and pass protection allowed just one hurry, which is about what you would expect over that number of snaps. Um, against the run, he was a little above average, uh, most notably playing well in the Denver game against the run. So uh, last year in pass protection, he was again solid. Uh, there were more games where he was notably bad than notably good against the run, so um, I'm comparing it to less than a full game's worth of snaps, but he looked better against the run in the preseason than he did last season. So um, if he stays at above average play, I think that's why he was why he got the extension he got. 
Yeah, I mean, his play's just been trending upward ever since he's entered the NFL. So if he can just continue that trend, it seems like it'll be worth it for the Green Bay Packers. Remains to be seen. Um, uh, Nathan, uh, it seems that uh, a lot of the questions entering the season are about the Packers' defense here. Uh, but but based upon, you know, uh, what we've seen here so far, um, in the preseason, what do you envision the Packers running back rotation will be at least early in the going here? Uh, obviously, it could change by the times things go on. But, you know, what do you, what do you think of all these rookies mixing in with Ty Montgomery? On one hand, I think it's a little difficult to tell because what the Packers did in the preseason is they'd have one running back play a lot of snaps, then a different running back play a lot of snaps, not so much. Uh, running backs playing by situation, which is something we saw a lot of other teams do in the preseason as well. And then once the regular season hits for them, then they start using running backs in different roles rather than one and then another and then another. But the Packers, uh, when Eddie Lacy and James Starks were both healthy, that's what they would do a lot of times is one of them would see a number of drives or a drive and then the other one would see some time. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the kind of timeshare we see from Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams, I wouldn't be surprised if it's only those two that are really used early on, but I'm guessing it'll be some rotation among drives, and it'll just be a matter of how many drives Montgomery is in for. My best guess would be Montgomery will play about 66% of the snaps, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see it be anywhere from an 80-20 split to a 50-50 split. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, <laughs> we'll find out very shortly. Um, Nathan, what what kind of pass rush do the Seahawks bring from their left side uh, where they're likely to face either a recovering Brian Balaga or a Kyle Murphy making his first NFL start this upcoming Sunday? I would expect things to be pretty similar to the last couple of times the Packers have played the Seahawks. Uh, Cliff Averill, when the Seahawks are in their nickel defense, which they will likely be in for the entire game against the Packers, uh, Averill plays at that left defensive end spot, so he'll be the one facing the right tackle most of the time. Uh, Michael Bennett typically will either shade the tackle or play a little inside on in their nickel defense, so we might see some Bennett against the right tackles as well. But uh, In the past, a healthy Bulaga has done well against Cliff Averill. Uh, just allowing a couple pressures each of those games that they have faced off. But uh, Averill is one of the better pass rushers in the league, and against Don Barclay in 2015, had nine pressures in that game, so really wow. was disruptive against a, a someone not as good as Bulaga at full health. So um, if it's Bulaga at not 100% or Murphy playing, I wouldn't be surprised if Averill's able to be a little disruptive. I know typically teams like to get offensive linemen some help if they need help but with Frank Clark and Sheldon Richardson on the other side uh, there's everyone will need some sort of help at some point against that defensive line with any team Seattle faces all season definitely a matchup to watch for this upcoming Sunday and finally Nathan before we let you go what kind of challenge does the Packers defense face against the Seahawks offense then uh, the Seahawks have a pretty unique offense in that their offensive line last year was wor- ranked the worst in pass blocking at Pro Football Focus. Uh, last year when the Packers and Seahawks faced off, Mike Daniels had a good game pass rushing, uh, Dean Lowry as well, and they already lost their left tackle, George Fant, for the season. So 
Um, the Packers should be able to get a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson. Um, the problem is Wilson is so good that he typically is able to make good plays despite the pressure. Um, they have an interesting group of running backs, including Eddie Lacy, who all three of them are good when they're healthy. Just all of them have had health concerns and have continued to have some during the preseason. Um, last or last year when the Packers and Seahawks faced off, Wilson had his worst game of his NFL career. Uh, Rollins had his best game. Randall had one of his best games of the season. So last year, a lot of things went right for the Packers to win as much as they did. But uh, Seattle has a great group of receivers. Doug Baldwin in the slot. Uh, Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett outside and Jimmy Graham at tight end. So that's really a matchup nightmare for any team. So uh, the Packers need to be able to consistently get pressure to be able to disrupt that offense. But that's something that they theoretically should be able to do. I hope so. Nathan, thank you so much for taking the time to preview the game here. Uh, We'll recap it with you next week and uh, look forward to week two. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Talk again next week. Take care. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. The Packers made it official on Tuesday, signing defensive lineman Quentin Dial after previously bringing him in for a visit. And it was very much a similar situation as Ahmad Brooks, a player miscast for the 4-3 defense, which seems to be the primary reason he was let go. Dial becomes the third Packers player, uh, the uh, the third player the Packers have added to their defense since the final roster cutdown, joining Brooks and then waiver claim Chris Odom. Uh, This is also the seventh free agent signing this offseason, a record for Ted Thompson. And, And pretty much, you know, ever since, you know, that first Mike McCarthy season when they brought in like Charles Woodson, Ryan Pickett, and a handful of others, lesser names, but these seem to be guys, most of whom will make a contribution this season just as long as they're healthy. So definitely interested to see all these new faces, but definitely uh, a new new look on the Packers defense uh, where they've added or tried to inject so much more uh, vitality and, and new blood to what they have going on already and trying to fit these pieces in place and have them play particular roles and fit them in. So uh, it's, it's, it's fun uh, as you, you like to see a team try to be as good as they can be um, trying their best to put the best product out on the field and be as competitive as they can. And I think the Packers are doing that to the best of their ability. I, you know, all these free agent signings the Packers have made, I've agreed with all of them for the most part. This one, I guess I had the most questions about just because they had to do it at the expense of Christian Ringo. But you know what? I'm going to place my faith in the Packers front office that they know more than me. And the one thing I can say in favor of, you know, why did the Packers sign Dial and 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 get rid of Christian Ringo is that, you know, when I watched Ringo 
extensively this preseason because, you know, the the starters don't play a lot. He saw a lot of playing time as as far as preseason goes, as far as defensive linemen go. Um, but, But it was always against the other team's second string or third string. He was rarely out there against, you know, a first string caliber player. Um, because other teams, uh, the opponents, the Packers face would pull their starters too. So that that's what has me thinking about dial and what he can contribute mainly as a run defend defender. And, and the fact that he is versatile, can play both end and nose tackle. And yeah, I, I don't see him playing a huge role for the Green Bay Packers. Basically it's going to be Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry getting the majority of the snaps with Ricky Jean Francois, you know, uh, rotating in there. But Quinton Dial also making a contribution kind of in the way that Latroy Guyon would make his a year ago, I think, uh, basically between both Jean Francois and Dial, those two kind of combining for the role that. Latroy Guyon played and I, I think those two can can fill his shoes and what he was able to offer the Packers as a run defender at least that's the hope um, like I said earlier doesn't necessarily preclude the Green Bay Packers from bringing back Christian Ringo I'd like to see him back uh, just because I think he's he's improving and I think he had his best preseason ever um, and he's, he's been working his way upward. Obviously it's, you know, early on his rookie season, you know, probably wasn't ready for prime time yet. And that's why he spent, uh, pretty much the whole season on the practice squad and, you know, got a cup of tea last year in during the regular season. And I'd like to see him get more playing time. Uh, hopefully it's with the Packers, but, uh, time will tell at this point. Um, we don't know Quentin Dial's contract uh, details yet. That'll probably be, you know, come out in the next day or two. Um, as as if this was literally just happened, you know, yesterday evening uh, when it was announced on the practice, you know, the, the transaction wire of the NFL uh, that the Packers had officially signed Dial. So uh, the good news is, is that, it, you know, basically... there's so much anticipation for the first game. It feels like the Packers have been getting ready for the Seahawks forever. But, you know, in a week-in, week-out basis, Quentin Dial would still be getting the full week of preparation necessary to go out there and face, um, you know, the Seahawks, you know, basically a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday practice period. I know that they don't really practice on Fridays before games, but, you know, he's got now four full days of preparation to get ready for the Seahawks. It's possible Quentin Dial will be active on Sunday. The Packers don't necessarily need him, considering they have all three starters on the defensive line healthy, uh, to my knowledge, and uh, ready to go. Um, in addition to Ricky Jean Francois, they would probably only really necessarily need, you know, four of them. Uh, but they may go five. We'll. We'll just see what their preference is as they get ready for them on Sunday. You know, something we haven't been able to talk about yet, and I'm not sure how much I can add to the situation that the Packers claiming on waivers Chris Odom, uh, the rookie from 
Arkansas State. As we talked about with Nathan Yankee, he doesn't have a lot of experience in a 3-4 defense, so this is very much going to be a developmental project here um, for the Green Bay Packers. Now, the good news is after signing Ahmad Brooks, I don't think the Packers necessarily need Odom to contribute right away. You hope, Hopefully, he can develop into a very good player in due time. But, you know, between Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, who, yes, they've both had injury issues, but I think they'll be ready in time to go and be active week one. Between them and Ahmad Brooks, who is healthy, you know, those top three players are going to get the majority of snaps. Now, the Packers also traded away G. Ron Elliott when they, you know, cut down the roster to 53, so he's no longer in the picture. Best of luck to J. Ron Elliott. He was a fantastic guy, and I always wish he would have broke out with the Green Bay Packers, and he still may in the NFL yet. But the Packers, you know, I I think for now, even though, you know, Kyler Fackrell was not the player we've hoped he would be at this point, I think as a fourth outside linebacker, he's more ready you know, to go, seeing as he's been with the Packers for a year already, and his biggest contributions anyway will be on special teams. We'll probably see more from him than a guy like Chris Odom, at least early on. It's just going to take a while, I think, for Odom to, you know, learn the Packers' defense and get out there and get ready and contribute. And the Packers can basically get by with four outside linebackers, you know, assuming everybody's healthy and active and ready and playing. Now, if all of a sudden Clay Matthews or Nick Perry would have a setback, that would be a different story. But for the time being, I think they're okay at that point and can get by. So um, it's interesting to see, you know, how much Chris Odom will, will add down the road. Uh, I, I think he's a guy with a high ceiling. I think he's a guy who flashed, and I think he's the guy whose body type is something that you want to just see what he's got in him uh, because he's so big for that outside linebacker position, more of an edge defender position, that maybe he can really create some havoc in there um, in, in due time. Uh, but we're going to have to wait for it for now, I think. So, uh, anyway, uh, there's your defensive situation. Uh, also, the Packers, you know, things we haven't been able to talk about in the last week since we t- took off for Labor Day here. Lane Taylor signed an extension with the Green Bay Packers, announced earlier this week. It is three years, uh, reportedly, worth $16.5 million in new money. That's on top of the two-year $4.15 million extension Uh, that he signed before last season. And, you know, it's very much uh, a similar thing that happened to David Bakhtiari last year in that, you know, kind of came out of nowhere right before the start of the season, you know, signing him to an extension. And, you know, it, it really, you know, was not on my radar at all that Lane Taylor would get this just basically because I thought, well, you know, he's not a Pro Bowl type of player. It's not like he's the kind of guy that you're really, you know, he's not at the top of your worries. But I think it made sense for the Green Bay Packers. They've solidified now the left side of their offensive line for years to come. I believe Lane Taylor will be under contract now through the 2020 season. 
So him and Bakhtiari figure to man the left side of the offensive line as long as they're healthy for quite a while now. And and it just, it made sense, you know, if they want Aaron, Aaron Rodgers to play that long, you got the guys protecting him on his backside for, for, for the next, you know, four foreseeable seasons now. Um, and, and the Packers had the money under the salary cap. They, there probably wasn't a whole lot of money going toward this year's salary cap, seeing as, you know, Lane Taylor already had the, 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 he was under contract for this season already. So any new money would, would be part of a signing bonus going on top of this, what he was already making this year. So, you know, it wasn't really impacting this year's salary cap much at all. The Packers had the room regardless, and now they've got him, you know, under wraps for the next several seasons. So congratulations to Lane Taylor for uh, solidifying your future um, with the Green Bay Packers and and keep up the good work. Uh, All right, getting to... The practice squad for the Green Bay Packers, and I'm just going to quick run through the names here. I mean, this is the podcast for the Packers' hardcore fan who's interested in these kind of things anyway. And a little bit about what they'll add, uh, starting with quarterback Joe Callahan. Uh, of course, if, if you don't know already, the Packers released both Callahan and Taysom Hill at the end of, you know, when they had to cut down to their 53-man roster, and Taysom Hill was signed by the New Orleans Saints. And it's a shame because I think Hill showed better than Callahan during the preseason and has the higher ceiling of the two. Um, But as we've seen, you know, it was basically last season when the Saints signed Joe Callahan and later released him. So, you know, might they do the same with Hill? Might the Packers end up getting him back eventually as well? It's possible. The good thing is, though, you're comfortable that Callahan knows what he's doing if forced into action. So I've always said that I think the ceiling for for Joe Callahan is as a number three quarterback. I don't think you want him being your primary backup. I don't think you want him being your starter. But the good thing is he now knows the offense. You're comfortable with it. And and he can make some plays. He he's especially good out of the pocket, uncannily good out of the pocket. Um, and for whatever reason, he can make plays on the run. That's good. Maybe Joe Callahan is better than I think, but it's nice to have that security that you've got that third quarterback, somebody experienced backing up Aaron Rodgers just in case. The Packers also added two wide receivers to their practice squad after they released both of their draft picks invested into the position. Um, So the Packers cut uh, D'Angelo Yancey, Michael Clark, and Malachi Dupree. Out of those three, they also cut uh, um, McCaffrey as well. Um, But the Packers brought back just Yancey and Clark to the practice squad. Kind of surprised that they did not re-sign Malachi Dupree I thought, you know, of course, uh, he was one of the biggest stories of the off-season program, like OTAs and minicamp and how well he was playing. And that doesn't necessarily always translate to training camp. I think the, you know, the biggest thing was that Malachi Dupree suffered that concussion and lost more than a week of practice time. And that really set him back more than anything else. 
Had he not missed that time, might he be back? It would have been tough for the Green Bay Packers because, I mean, it it is tough to carry three wide receivers on the practice squad. Uh, I mean, I, I very much like what the upside of a guy like Michael Clark, who you can't coach his size. You know, he's six foot six, made a lot of plays during training camp in the preseason. And D'Angelo Yancey, certainly the more experienced guy in terms of what he offered during his college days at Purdue, uh, offers a little bit of special teams experience there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm one of the biggest shockers to me is that they did not keep Malachi Dupree in some form, whether it was on the 53 or on the practice squad or something else. Again, not necessarily precluding the Packers couldn't sign him down the road. Uh, and maybe injury is playing into that. Um, but for the time being, they're going with Clark and Yancey. Packers kept two defensive linemen, uh, pardon me, offensive linemen on the practice squad, uh, including draft pick Kofi Amichia, who they cut, and also Adam Pankey, uh, one of the more pleasant surprises as a guy who can probably play both guard and tackle for you. Uh, both of them a little rough around the edges right now. Uh, Panky probably the guy who's a little bit more ready to play, uh, seeing as he, you know, is uh, comfortable, I think, at multiple positions, whereas Kofi Amichia, uh, a guy who played left tackle in college a lot and still getting used to the guard position, but still not ready to give up on any of these guys yet, uh, even if they are uh, a little, you know, uh, unseasoned, we'll say. On the defensive side of the football, uh, you know, one of the guys with the uh, one of the biggest names the Packers kept on the practice squatter brought back was Reggie Gilbert, and a guy who I think a lot of people thought the Packers would keep on their 53-man roster because he played so well, led the team in sacks this preseason, arguably played better, at least as a linebacker, than Kyler Fackrell. Um, it's good the Packers didn't lose him, uh, you know, signed by another team or something like that. So, you know, down the road, the Packers could, you know, promote him uh, at some point. And I, I would love to see that if Reggie Gilbert continues to develop. So good to see him back. They also uh, signed cornerback Donatello Brown. And he was the guy who, of course, had the big final preseason game, got a lot of playing time in the fourth game as the starter sat, came up with the big interception, also, you know, broke up a few other passes and and really played well and and tackled aggressively. Like to see, you know, what he can do. And if there's ever an injury at the cornerback position, could, could he be promoted? It's possible. Um, the, the, the other players, the Packers kept, uh, defensive tackle is a Lunsford, uh, inside linebacker, Derek Matthews and safety Jermaine Whitehead. Uh, the Packers had both Whitehead and Matthews on their practice squad last year. Um, so they'll be back again in the same capacity. So there you go. That's a little summation of what the Packers did on their practice squad. And, 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 you know, last year, the Packers at some point in the season, some point in the 2016 season, promoted nine guys from the practice squad to the active roster. That's not to say that's going to happen to nine out of these 10 players, but you can bet that a couple of them, um, at least a handful before the end of the season, will get that opportunity at some point and be able to play on the 53-man roster of the Green Bay Packers. So 
They like to promote from within, uh, even though the Packers have, have been signing more players from the outside than ever before. They still have that draft and develop mentality, I think, especially with the practice squad. These are all guys, for the most part, that um, you know originally signed with the Green Bay Packers as rookies. Not all of them. Uh, I know Jermaine, Jermaine Whitehead and Derek Matthews both played with other teams uh, first, I, I believe. Uh, but still, uh, young guys who the Packers are developing and a lot of high ceilings, especially for the wide receivers, Yancey and Clark. Like to see what they can do down the road. Um, but next segment. The day ahead. All right. It's Wednesday. The Packers will release today their first injury report of the season as required by the NFL. Every team playing on Sunday will release their first injury report of the season today. And if there's one player we're keeping close tabs on, it's tackle Brian Balaga. According to the media, you know, uh, attending practice so far this week, Monday and Tuesday, Balaga has not been suited up and not been present. And and it's no surprise. I mean, after, you know, suffering that ankle injury about the third week of practice during training camp or the week of the third preseason game, um, it, you know, they're, they're going to give him as much time as possible to recover. Uh, you know, the fact that he's, you know, a now a longtime NFL veteran, uh, he doesn't necessarily need the practice. As as we talked about with Nathan Yankee, he's been out there for several meetings with the Seattle Seahawks, including the, you know, precise defenders he'll be going across against. So, you know, he's got that experience under his belt and, and can draw on that knowledge. And, you know, presumably he's still taking part in meetings and things like that. So he's getting the, the mental reps, so to speak. Um, but you know, will he be ready in time for Sunday? I tend to think he will because, you know, the Packers are comfortable, especially with longtime veterans, as long as they can get out there the day before the game in practice, they kind of have that little jog through practice on the Saturdays before the games. As long as Balaga is able to do that, I think they're, they feel comfortable with him playing on Sunday. Now, if it was a rookie or something, they probably wouldn't do that, but seeing as it's Balaga, uh, a guy who's you know won a Super Bowl ring for the Green Bay Packers, you know they're comfortable with him playing on one day of practice, and so I I tend to think he'll be out there. If if he's not, it it's going to be tough with with Kyle Murphy making his first NFL start, a guy who's been up and down during the preseason. It's good. I think he's made progress since his rookie year, but you still worry about him going against a a, a very good NFC team like the Seattle Seahawks, who have given the Packers troubles in the past. So definitely interested to see what the status of Brian Pelag is. You know, certainly he's not the only one. He's just the most prominent name we're wondering about. I think some of the other, you know, bigger injury situations have to do with backups to the Green Bay Packers. Wondering where... Um, a, a guy like uh, Lucas Patrick is at after he suffered an injury during the preseason. You have to be think he, he, you know, he's close to returning to game action as well. Whether it's by this Sunday or not uh, is remains to be seen. Um, it basically his 
injury status and the fact that the Packers also placed Don Barclay on injured reserve, which doesn't necessarily end Barclay's season. He could be brought back, uh, but that is basically the primary reason the Packers, for the time being, are keeping Jordan McRae on the 53-man roster because if anything were to happen to Corey Lindsley, they need a backup center. Ideally, they'd love for it to be Lucas Patrick, but if he's not ready to go, then it's going to be McRae. That, I thought, is probably the weakest link on this Packers roster. I have not been a fan of McRae as I've watched him this preseason. I think he's a very poor center, especially in his snapping. It's just not NFL caliber, and yeah, it has a lot to do with his inexperience. But if he's out there and he's Aaron Rodgers' center, I would be very worried. And hopefully it's only for a short amount of time because the moment Lucas Patrick is ready to play, I think he would be the backup center and the guy who's out there, you know, playing special teams on Sundays and things like that, you know, protecting on extra points and and whatever else they have him do uh, to get him a little bit of playing time. Um, But wondering about Montrevious Adams too, a lot of people thought, you know, he might go on injured reserve to, to start the season. He's not. He's probably he's practice reportedly practicing on a limited basis this week. I would tend to think the Packers will not have him active on Sunday. He'll just be one of you know every NFL team has to have seven players inactive on game days, and he'll end up being one of them as he ends up coming back from the ankle injury that he suffered. Um, or pardon me, well just lower body. Um, uh, th- that uh, Adam suffered early on in training camp, literally, I believe, on the second day of practice. So he's got a lot of catch-up to do before he's ready to play in a regular season game. I think he's got a high ceiling, and I think he can contribute to this team, just maybe not, you know, week one, uh, making his first NFL appearance uh, under the bright lights. So... But anyway, uh, it's that, that's where the Packers are at, uh, kind of bringing you up to date on all the transactions they've made and things like that. Um, but um, that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. We'll, we'll preview this game more in depth on Friday as we have our monthly guest on the show, Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog, will help us get ready for not only the Packers week one season opener, uh, but for the season as a whole as well. So excited to get his thoughts on what the Packers are going to do in 2017. So we'll talk to you two more days from now to get McKenna's thoughts on the Green Bay Packers. But that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you to Nathan Yankee for being today's guest on the show. Uh, Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com. Go check them out. And uh, we'll see you later, folks. Uh, Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. I leave you today, folks, with a song called Sometimes a River by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go Pack Go.